And welcome back to the Fantasy Oddscast. I have the utmost pleasure with being with my co-host of this podcast, uh, Jake Perry. You can follow him on Twitter, JakePerry34. You can follow me on Twitter, AJ, AjDecide4. How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you doing? I know you got some uh, stuff going on at the house today. Yeah, we had some uh, home renovations um, before I sell this house and uh, move on to my other house. We're just like renovating it up and stuff so uh pretty fun pretty fun stuff it's a lot of loud nail gun action hey man you know what at least it's getting fixed and at least it's uh you know you're moving on to bigger and better things speaking of moving on to bigger and better things how about these russell wilson rumors dude i'm just waiting for the day that i like i'm not buying into it until like oh my god like until like uh ryan pace and Matt Nagy are sitting there and they're announcing him on our team, man, because it's, it's like it's getting like there's obviously the speculation is definitely gaining right now in terms of the news and the rumors and stuff. But man, it would be great for Russell Wilson to wear that um, orange and blue. So really nice. Yeah, man, especially with all the rumors that are coming out now, there's a very prominent uh, account. Uh, which represents a local Chicago restaurant, one of their food options, Portillo's Hamburger. Um, he recently tweeted, um, he's mostly, he mostly gets White Sox uh, knowledge, and he's actually right a pretty decent amount of the time with the sources that he does have. Um, he mentioned that he's gotten messages from multiple sources saying that you know the Bears and the Seahawks are really deep in the Russell Wilson talks, and we've seen other reports come out that the Bears are very heavily involved in the in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, if we can call it as much. Um, you know, Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune mentioned that um, the Bears have prioritized making a run at Wilson just a couple hours ago. Um, you know, we've heard the rumors over the past few weeks that Wilson really likes Chicago. He really likes, you know, he thinks the offensive line is, you know, better than most people would probably say that it is. Um, he, you know, he likes Matt Nagy. He, he likes the, the idea of coming to Chicago. So I'm not going to get my hopes up too high um, until I see it. But, mm. man, if we went from getting Carson Wentz to getting Russell Wilson, you know, it's going to be a damn, damn good offseason for the Bears, especially with the projected restructures and, you know, cuts and everything like that. We're looking at potentially, you know, if, if everything works out, you're looking at nearly $30 million in cap space mm -hmm. going into, you know, the rest of the offseason. And that's after a Wilson trade. Plus the uh, seven and a half million they'll bring in too. So it'll be really cool to see that as well. So, um, I mean, you know, I'm excited. I mean, you know, hopefully something happens and hopefully like the McCaskies are listening to us. But um, then again, we'll just see what happens. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, if you ever listen to this podcast, uh, I'll forgive literally everything you've ever done. If you yep. trade for Russell Wilson, I will forgive them. I will forgive trading up one spot to draft Mitch. I will forgive, you know, forgetting to put together an offensive line for two and a half seasons. I will forget targeting skill players that are named Anthony Miller and Javon Wims and keeping them as focal points in an offense. I will forgive everything if Russell Wilson ends up a Chicago Bear. Yeah, dude, like everything is forgiven. Like you said everything was on the table, Ryan Pace, so don't don't make us recant that. Like that's something that you have to live up to the and just need um a quarterback. So Russell Wilson is that quarterback, but hopefully it gets done, man. But I'd, I said it before. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So Exactly, man. Well, you know, that's the, that's the only real fun, crazy news that's going yeah. on in the NFL right now. Um, so I say we just hop right into these Dynasty tight end rankings. I know that's probably why a lot of our listeners are tuning into this episode anyway. So, AJ, 
you know me. You know who I like in the NFL. Can you guess my tight end one for dynasty purposes? Okay. Um, can I just go off the record and say Darren Waller is technically a wide receiver, but it's Darren Waller? Darren Waller is a tight end. He's classified as a tight end. That's what his position is listed as. Even though I know. He's treated as a wide receiver a lot. It is Darren Waller. Um, yes. You know, for me, Darren Waller. You know, there's a there's a valid argument I think for three guys. You know, you can make the argument between Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller. Um, my big thing for putting Darren Waller, um, you know, so much higher on the list is, as you said, he's essentially a wide receiver. He's you know he's getting he got 145 targets last year in an offense that you know really didn't have you know many other weapons offensively. Um, obviously, Josh Jacobs is a super talented running back, but he's got some concerns, you know, in the league as well. He has a very limited pass catching role. Your wide receiver one was Henry Ruggs, who quite frankly, like did not impress me at all. I was pretty high on him coming out of the draft. Um, not as high as I was on some other wide receivers, but you know, he just didn't really perform that well. Um, and then you got like Hunter Renfro, but you don't really have like a true, you know, wide receiving core there. And unless they really make some moves to improve that, I think you're going to see kind of Waller be the main, you know, pass catcher again. Um, but the season that we saw last year out of Darren Waller was better than anything that Kittles put up. And given his age and his, you know, lack of, you know, taking a beating in the NFL, so to say, you know, he's only played 54 career games up to this point. He is 28. He was out of the the league for a year um, while he was battling some personal demons. Um, but, you know, ever since he was giving a true starting role in 2019, he's been a top two or three tight end in football. And if it weren't for the age consideration, I would probably put Kelsey first. Um, Kelsey is who I have at two here, and I'll, I'll jump into that for a minute. Um, but Waller, just with the age, with the, his, him being the true focal point in the offense, I don't see that that changing, you know, anytime soon, you know, even if in, and Waller's a guy where you can't like teams are relying on linebackers and, you know, you know, safeties to come down and cover him and it's just not working. And I don't think teams are going to switch, you know, just because there is so much speed on the outside in that Oakland offense. Um, you know, I think we're going to consider continue to see Darren Waller eat here. Um, and then, like I said, I've got Kelsey at two. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that while he is, you know, he's older than Kittle. He's older than some of the other guys that are out there. The man has put up, you know, consistent tight, you know, insane numbers year after year, you know, in the 80 plus 80 to 105 reception range, you know, the man scores five to 10 touchdowns a year. Um, he did have a bit of a down year getting into the end zone in 2019, but he brought that back. You know, he was like, he was like skill position player four or five this year, depending on your league scoring, um, you know, he's insane. He's going to continue to be insane. Being tied to Patrick Mahomes obviously helps that. Um, but, you know, he show, he's showing no signs of slowing down. Um, and he's being used, I think, in a little bit of a more consistent role. Um, he's been, you know, 120 to 140, 150 targets each of the last four years. So, you know, the, the workload is there. Um, plus, you know, limited injury concern coming out of Kelsey. So I'm very comfortable putting him over Kittle um, as my tight end, too. And then I have George Kittle at three. Um, again, uber talented guy. Just a matter of him staying healthy. Um, you know, his 2018 season was elite. His 2019 season was very good. Obviously a down year this year. But, you know, due to some fluke injuries, you know, that was a big cause of that. But this is, the you know, the second year in a row we've seen him miss some time with some injuries. He missed some time his rookie year with some injuries as well. Um, you know, so that's my only real concern with Kittle. Plus, him being in a rushing-focused offense, like his targets aren't, I just don't think, going to get as high as the other two guys are. Um, and since we focus more specifically on, you know, half PPR, PPR leagues, you know, that's my that's my only real knock on Kittle. 
But uh, can we just go back to the whole Darren Waller thing? Like, I'm just surprised. Like, I just stole him from you, and I'm not going to trade him to you. I saw that, uh, like, trade trade request in our thing. It's not happening, all right? Like, even if you give me Deshaun hey, Watson. Hey, man, that was a good trade off. It was. It was. But I'm going to try to milk the shit out of you, okay? It's not, like, okay, so pause, obviously. But, like, I need the best offer that you can give me. By the way, by the way, Jake, I just wanted to say that to you in public on this podcast because I need a brilliant offer from Dale Waller because I know the potential that he can give me. And the the guy could literally carry my wide receivers too if my wide receivers are slacking too. Did you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody would probably agree that those are the top three. Um, like I said, for me, I have Waller one. You could definitely make an argument for Kelsey one. I think Kittle's the clear three here. Um, yeah. You know, just due to, you know, obviously he's probably the most physically talented. He's probably the fastest of the three. Um, he probably runs his route cleaner than the other two. of the. He's the cleanest route runner of the three a little bit and we obviously now have some injury concerns that we have to keep in mind with Kittle but as we move on to four five and six again these are probably the consensus four five and six I the order is where things start to get a little interesting here even myself um, I kind of changed the order up a little bit in the way that I had these three ranked Um, so my tight end four is TJ Hawkinson um, I originally had Noah Fant in this, uh, but I flipped um, those two. So Fant, I've got Fant at five and Hawk at four. Um, my only reason for that is I trust Jared Goff as a quarterback a little bit more than I trust Drew Locke. Um, and, you know, I while I have some concerns about, you know, Hawk's role in this offense, um, but he what we do have to consider is he's he's – the main pass catcher in this offense right now, you know, the two best wide receivers that the lions have under contract are Quintez Cephas and Tyrell Williams. You know, those are perennial like wide receiver two or threes. Like they're not going to do anything crazy. Um, especially, you know, um, Williams coming off of an injured year, you know, Hawk might have a real focal point in this offense. He already garnered a hundred targets last year. You know, I could, could see that, see that to continue to increase here. And, you know, his goal line, his red zone usage, I think is going to increase as well. Um, that's probably where we've seen Jared Goff shine the most at throwing to tight ends. It seems like he succeeds, uh, you know, getting his big targets, you know, the ball near the, near the goal line. Uh, so maybe we could see an increase in touchdowns this year, but, you know, I feel very comfortable with just Hawk's floor being a little bit higher. Um, that's, that's the main reason that I put him at, at four. Um, as we look at Noah Fant, this is probably, you know, one of the more physically talented tight ends in football. Um, you know, we do have some injury concerns there. He's had, you know, his, a couple ankle injuries here and there. Um, hasn't found the end zone a ton too. But again, you know, it's Drew Locke just hasn't been, you know, a phenomenal quarterback to say the least coming out so far. Um, so there's some definite concerns there. Um, but, you know, I think his role in the offense is going to continue to increase. I think other pass catchers being available, you know, having guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton coming back um, from injury and Tim Patrick being, you know, uh, you know, a wider, a third or another, you know, target for them to have. I think that might open up some targets for Fant, believe it or not, just because the coverage is going to be more focused on the outside guys than in previous years. Um, but Fant's also a guy that can, he can line up in the slot. He can line up outside. He's a big enough body. He's got the speed to play from those different positions. Um, so I definitely think that he's got, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of upside here. And he's probably, you know, the tight end that I would be least surprised to end up, you know, outscoring one of those top three, you know, just takes a freak year of him having a couple catches here and there. But, you know, the man just had a 60, 670 and three touchdown, you know, reset uh, season. 
you know, he's got a lot of potential in that offense and he's got a nice role that I do really like. And like I said, probably one of the more physically talented, you know, tight ends in football. And then as we look at tight end six, um, it's Mark Andrews for me. Um, my only reason for not having Andrews higher, yes, he's been a big goal line target. Yes, he's performed well so far. I really think this is the year that Baltimore goes out and gets aggressive for wide receivers. Um, and while, you know, that is something that obviously I just used as a reason for, you know, um, Fant being a little bit more open, I think that weakens the opportunities for Andrews a little bit, just the way the offense is run, um, obviously being, you know, a more heavily run focused offense in Baltimore um, and with Andrews, you know, being removed in some situations from the game, you know, he's only started, uh, been listed as a starting tight end or played the first snap of the game in nine of his 45 career games. So obviously they don't want him to be out there every snap. Um, that being said, he's still clearly gotten the targets. He's gotten the receptions. He's been a huge goal line target. Like I said, this, this three was probably the hardest for me to rank just because they are also close. They all have their own benefits. If you wanted to, you know, you could probably talk me into Andrews being tight end four and Hawk being tight end six. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of arguments to be made all the way around there. And I think, you know, ultimately it's going to depend on how the team's offenses play out in this off season. You know, I think, you know, Andrews probably has the safest floor of the three with Hawk and then Fant, Fant probably having the, uh, the lowest floor, but I think, you know, in, at the tight end position, especially after the top three, I like to target ceiling a little bit more than floor. Um, and I just think Fant and Hawk have a higher ceiling than Mark Andrews. Yeah, man, dude. Like, I think, like, the tight ends that you just listed there, Mark Andrews and Noah Font, are, like, literally the focal points of their offense. Like, you know, I mean, like, yeah, Hollywood Brown's there. But, like, you know, the safety blankets are the tight ends in your, in your offense and sometimes running backs. So, um, you know, like... I, I just think that like if if Denver had better quarterback play and I think if Drew uh, if Drew Locke can be improved I think Noah Font can have that one thousand yard season that we're looking for and like a seven or six touchdown performance you know like you said he's one of the physical tight ends in this league so I mean then we move on to Mark Andrews man I mean um, obviously like I said before a safety blanket for Lamar when he's in trouble and he can't get out of trouble so um, you know it's primarily one of the big reasons why Baltimore's been able to stay in games and um and such so um obviously with the increased role of hollywood brown um i, I don't really see um the slack being cut off of uh, mark andrews you know uh, i think mark andrews i think he had over 90 targets this um the season here this past season so um i i think i'm gonna expect him to get like over 100 targets and probably like catching like 75 of those yeah man like i said these these three are all so close that you know again the top Three tight ends, I think, are pretty interchangeable, and I think the three after that are pretty interchangeable as well. Yeah. Um, it, it's really after that where things really start to get, you know, a little bit more confusing. Um, things just start to look a little bit weary at the tight end position. This is a position that's, frankly, been bad the last couple of years. Um, after we saw, you know, a couple of huge years with guys like Gronk and Kelsey being in the league, you know, we have, you know, elite tight ends of years past, like Antonio Gates, Vernon Davis, uh, Greg Olson at his peak. Like, you know, the tight end position has just been kind of meh, but I do think that's slowly turning around and there's a lot of contenders for these last like four spots that I have, um, which is why mm -hmm. I have some honorable mentions in here as well. Um, but my tight end seven is Mike Gesicki down in Miami. Um, 
truly the most the the freakiest talented tight end in football in my opinion um you know if you look on his player profiler on uh, playerprofiler.com he's 95th percentile or higher in his speed score burst score agility score 40 yard dash and catch radius like the physical talent of his of him is just compared to other tight ends it's just elite i think his biggest you know setback is is Tua going to be a quarterback that's going to feed him the ball enough? Is that offense going to make him a focal point of the offense? Like, I think he should be. He took a big step forward this year. Um, he was much more efficient with his receptions. You know, 130 more yards on only two more catches than he was last year, even with some decreased targets. Um, the touchdowns increased, so he was used more frequently to get into the end zone. I think we're going to continue to see that progression going forward. Um, and, you know, if Tua improves, which I do think Tua has the potential to improve, I don't think we'll ever see him as a top 10 quarterback in football, but I think he is better than what we've seen so far. Um, you know, I really think Gesicki can take a big step forward here. You know, when you have the physical tools like that, obviously it helps a ton. Um, but when you look and you look at, you know, his rankings, you know, based upon his position at kind of, you know, the opportunity share that he has, um, you know, he's second most uh, slots in the uh, snaps in the slot of uh of tight ends in football he's got you know top five you know yard share top five average target distance deep targets receiving yards of tight ends completed air yards unrealized air yards like he's very clearly one of the most talented tight ends in football and i'm really hoping that this year is the year that he kind of puts that together um when we get past him i'm gonna go a rookie here uh kyle pitts is my my tight end eight um, while tight ends typically do take a little bit of time to start to produce at the NFL level, I think, the again, it's a physical talent thing. The physical talent of Kyle Pitts, I think, is going to outweigh um, a lot of that. And he's going to be drafted very with very high draft capital. And I think whatever team takes him, we're going to see him, you know, quickly come into a role in the offense, um, especially if he, you know, if his pro day numbers come out or his combine numbers come out with, a, you know, a, a, a good 40 yard dash like if he runs in the four fives or four fours even like I think he's just going to come out and he's going to put up very good numbers in his first year but even if he doesn't put up numbers in his first year right away I think long term you know the value is going to be there you know we haven't had a, a talent like this talented of a tight end come out in a couple of years and I think he can really be the one to kind of step into a role in his offense and just succeed um, he had 12 touchdowns this year in eight games I mean that says really all it needs to say. He's a big body with speed who can get open. You know, probably a, you know one of the most pure route runners. Going to be one of the best route running tight ends in football um, pretty quickly here. So you know, I've got no issues whatsoever throwing him directly into my eight role. Um, when we look at my nine role, um, this these two are going to be probably controversial for some. Uh, I might have some people who agree with me here. Um, my number nine is Cole Komet. Um, my big, big, big reason for that being that I think Jimmy Graham is going to be cut from the Chicago Bears, which is going to open up a lot of targets for Cole Komet in that offense. He's clearly the more talented of the tight ends that are in the Bears, you know, deep tight end room. I don't think we're going to see Demetrius Harris again, you know, being used as frequently as he was. I said his name right, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, Demetrius um, Harris. Yes, correct. Yeah, I was like, did I mess that up? Um, nope. But, you know, having him not there, if you look at Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham was a tight end who got a lot of targets in this Bears offense. And 
Komet's a better route runner. Komet is faster. He's going to get a lot of these end zone targets. If you give Cole Komet half of the production that Jimmy Graham had last year, he's probably a top 15 tight end right off the bat. And, you know, he's got the draft capital being a second round pick. He's a cheap option for the Bears, who clearly is talented, clearly, you know, improved as a pass catcher as the year went on. Um, He was used more frequently as a pass catcher as the year went on. Um, You know, he went from being used in, you know, uh, X number, you know, less than half of the snaps roughly per game, you know, averaging two or three targets to in his last five games, you know, he pulled in, what's that, 28, 30 targets, 30 of his 44 targets came in the last five games of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, he found the end zone. And like I said, with the with the share that Jimmy Graham is kind of, you know, evacuating there, if he is cut. Um, obviously if he isn't cut that changes things but I think based off of what the Bears can save financially by cutting him as much as I do like Jimmy Graham and think he's a good resource to have in the locker room like I just don't see the rationale of keeping him past you know the the past year that he just played for the Bears Um, and we're in a very similar situation with my tight end uh, 10 which is Irv Smith Jr. Um, you know, this is again a, a veteran is you know evacuating or not evacuating the veteran is you know vacating a role with the the release of Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph. So, you know, you know, leaving those targets left over, you know, we don't have the most athletic tight end in Irv Smith. He's got a pretty, he's got pretty good speed, uh, but his, his burst isn't insane. You know, he's not the most agile guy. His catch radius is pretty solid. Um, all things considered, but you know, he's a smaller tight end target, but this is a guy who's already been proficient at finding the end zone. You know, he had five touchdowns last year on 30 receptions. You know, he's finding the end zone in one of every six catches that he makes. You're going to put up good numbers and he's going to have a larger role in this offense. I don't think Tyler Conklin's going to be, you know, a big enough piece to take over that role. Obviously things change here um, with some of the free agent tight ends. You know, if we see a guy like John U. Smith um, go to, uh, um, go to Minnesota, or if we see a guy like Jared Cook go to Minnesota, I think that does change things a little bit. Uh, but as of right now, based off of the current situation, I'm pretty comfortable having Herb as my as my tight end ten. Yeah, man. I mean, I think like the uh, the surprise. I don't know if it was really a surprise move by Minnesota by uh, releasing Kyle Rudolph. I think it was more of a move that was trying to get done to like you know create some space and to like lean on um a person like earth smith that doesn't really cost enough uh, that doesn't really cost that much against the cap so um it really works out for them so it's a win-win situation for him and kyle rudolph can go find himself another team so i mean i think he's going to have a pretty attractive market you know a team that's looking for a tight end and stuff so um good luck to him though notre dame guy so um Oh, and also, uh, Notre Dame guys, speaking of Notre Dame guys, uh, you listed Cole Komet as your nine. Um, uh, I'm not surprised there. I think, like you know, like you mentioned, in the five games, he had 38 targets, you know. That's almost like eight targets a game. So, um, you know, if he has, like, say, Jake, like five to seven targets per per game, right, that's, like, on the high end, seven times 16, that's, like, what, 102? 102 targets. So, um you know or 112 targets so i mean that that's good for cole Komet. and if he if he comes down with like 70 percent of them without jimmy graham in the picture you know that pick is going to be a hit because you know i mean i i, I think like cole Komet has the ability to be even a better um tight end than kyle rudolph was to be honest like i don't think cole Komet is more of a safety blanket tight end or anything like that i think he's a guy that like if you have time in the pocket and you throw down the field he can get that 35 to 40 yard reception for you you know 
I mean, he can act like a, uh, he can act like a secu- he, he can he can do it all. You know, he's like I watched him for like what three or four years at Notre Dame. I mean, like this this guy was like the security blanket, the guy that caught deep passes up the middle for for Ian Book I mean, when we needed him the most. So I mean, like if the Chicago Bears can use, um, and I'm going too deep into my team supporting here, um, if they can use him well um, and really get him involved in the passing game, um, then I think that. Like, you know, he can he can shoot up even even higher than top fifteen. And uh, last but not least, you know, obviously you mentioned Mike Secchi, really big fan of him coming out of Penn State. You know, Penn State's this factory when it comes to tight ends. So, um, you know, he ran that electric four um, uh, four five five forty, which is helping him. You know, get separation from the slot. So it's also pretty interesting of him helping out Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, for the future, it's going to be Tua. But like you said, Jake, like I don't think we can see Tua to be a top-10 quarterback in this league. Um, we just need him to get the ball to Mike, uh, Mike Gusecki. So whether it's out of the slot, whether it's out of the tight end positions or anything like that, I mean, like he can get the ball to him. But if Mike Gusecki is like 30 yards away from him, I have a concern if even Tua can even throw past 20 yards in this league. Yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, we're going to have to see how that all plays out. Um, I think obviously, you know, there's some, uh, you know, there's some concerns with all of these, you know, these last four tight ends, but as, as I've seen, you know, amongst dynasty Twitter and amongst other analysts that I've talked to really, once you get past tight end six, like you could like anybody, it's going to be like a weekly who scores a touchdown kind of thing. So you're really just hoping that these guys like get these vacated targets um, and that they ultimately, you know, that ultimately works out for them. Um, looking at a couple honorable mentions that I have, um, I have three specifically that I just want to briefly touch on. Uh, John Smith, uh, my only reason for honestly not including him in the rankings is he's got all the physical talents. He's gotten, you know, he's shown last year that he can be, you know, a, a, a guy who gets into the end zone. We just haven't seen the consistent usage um, at this point. Um, you know, I think if he signs with the right team, like he could put up some insane numbers. Like I'd, um, I'd honestly love to see him in that Saints offense playing that role that Jared Cook played these past few years. That's a lot of targets. That's a lot of yards. It's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, opportunities to get into the red zone there. You know, I, as I, you know, pointed out, John Smith carried me through the first couple weeks of the season when he was super hot um, in that Tennessee offense this past year. Um, you know, he, you know, he started the season, you know, with multiple two touchdown games, you know, four or five reception games, usage kind of fell off after that. Um, but I think that was more of just, you know, the other receivers were just truly, you know, being utilized really well. And that Tennessee offense spread the ball around a lot between AJ Brown, between, uh, Corey Davis, between Janu, between the running backs. Um, you know, the, the ball was spread around a lot in that offense. So that's my only hesitation with Janu. Um, again, all these guys, you can make really good arguments for moving up uh, in the rankings. Um, another guy, Evan Ingram, um, obviously, you know, big name, big draft capital, um, you know, but the Giants just haven't been a good offense these past few years. Um, again, uber physical, talented guy. He ran a 4-4-40 at 6-3. You know, he's got, you know, a, a 10-yard catch rate, or not a 10-yard catch radius, uh, sorry, uh, the 10.32 catch radius listed on player profile. Like he's, again, a guy with all the physical talents in the world who just hasn't seen the production yet in his offense. Um, again, a high target guy, has had some injury concerns, hasn't found the end zone a ton, 
But, you know, hopefully things can turn around for him this year. Um, a lot of guys are really high on Evan Engram. Um, and I, I think with the physical talent there, like eventually that's going to start to shine through. And then the last guy that I've gotten my honorable mention is Dallas Goddard uh, out of Philadelphia. I think the with Zach Ertz likely being gone, likely being a cap casualty here, I think that does open a lot of opportunity for Goddard in this offense. Even last year, he put up pretty decent numbers, um, you know, and the year prior, you know, every year he's put up decent numbers comparatively for the roles that he's had. Um, and I think, that, you know, just being the focal tight end in an offense that, you know, has liked the tight end usage to this point, um, given, I think Jalen Hurts, you know, probably changes things a little bit. Um, but, you know, just the potential is there for Goddard to pull up, pull out a top 10 tight end season there. Um, and then there's other guys that I do like too in redraft leagues, like in a, PPR redraft league. I really like Rob Tanya and I really like Hayden Hurst. I really like Austin Hooper. Um, but you know, speaking like looking at dynasty, like you have to project forward a little bit. Um, and that's why I'm, you know, just preferential to some of these guys versus the others. But you know, that really wraps up the rankings for me, AJ, I'll let you kind of finish this before we hop into the hockey plays. But you know, I just look at dynasty as kind of a long-term thing here. Um, so I'm trying to project a little bit into the future. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, ah, well, we tried. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like these rankings, I think that that you that you put out here today, I mean, like, you know, I, I agree with them. I mean, like, you know, it's just, it just has to, you know, we just have to see what happens in the season. You know, I mean, like we can't predict injuries or anything like that. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like we're just out here providing you with the best information here. So, I mean, like, you know, based off of the last season that they had, you know, I mean, like I could definitely see Mike Gusecki at the seven tight end going into this season. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, he put up the numbers. You know, he has the targets. He has the touchdowns and all that stuff. I mean, that. I mean, there's obviously more that equates to his rankings, his preseason um, – Obviously, his um, preseason 2021 rankings, but you know, I mean, like I hope you know Tua can get the ball to him because, like, you know, if I'm if I'm staring down at a tight end draft in my fantasy football league, and if I'm picking between John Smith and Mike Mike Kosecki, I'm gonna pick Mike Kosecki because you know, obviously, you know, we talked about John Smith being a free agent and he has to sign with the right team to have the right amount of targets. And I agree with you, Jake, man. You know. Um, if he goes to the Saints, man, he's going to have probably 100-plus targets. Um, I don't know who the quarterback is going to be there. Like, I would I would, I would, assume that, like, once they clear up a lot of room and cap and salaries and all of that and release a couple of players and restructure a couple of contracts, uh, I would assume it's going to be James Winston that comes back to uh, New Orleans. And, um, you know, because he can run that offense, too. I mean, you know, uh, and under Sean Payton, you know, it could be um, a benefit – a beneficial relationship. Yeah, you know, I think I probably as a, you know, just as a uh, football watcher, um, I don't think, you know, Taysom Hills is the answer at quarterback for them. He's clearly like a really good gadget guy. He can be used yeah. in unique situations and he does really well when in those situations. But as a passer, he's just limited, um, which is, you know, Jamie Swinson, you know, with the eye surgery, I think he looked better um, last year than we had seen in a while just off of his decision making and the limited action that he did have. Um, plus, on top of being like one of the most unlucky quarterbacks in football in 2019 um, yeah. in terms of, you know, like all of the touchdowns and everything that went off or not touchdowns, interceptions and drops his receivers had like obviously 
you know, that sucked for him. And that's probably part of the reason why he didn't get a starting job, you know, this past offseason. Um, but I would I would personally pick Winston over there, too. But it's ultimately going to come down to can they get out of cap hell? You know, they have sixty nine million dollars over the cap right now. So, you know, it'll ultimately break down to that. They might end up running it with Taysom just because they've already got him under contract. Um, so, you know, that'll definitely take a lot to see. But um, let uh, just a quick other, you know, touch point that I do want to make um, when it comes to like tight ends. I'm a personal leaner, um, always have been of tight end upside over floor. Um, so do with that what you will. If you're, you know, if you're between two tight ends in the draft, I think that Mike Gusecki has a higher, you know, upside than a lot of the guys um, that I, I ranked before him. I, you know, I think Gusecki has the skill set to be a top four or five tight end in football. Um, you know, I wouldn't reach for him, but he, if he's there and you need a tight end, especially in tight end premium leagues. You know, I think, you know, Gesicki's a guy that, you know, I'm really targeting more frequently in, in the draft, the mock drafts and everything that I've been involved in. Um, I just think the consistency just needs to show up there and, you know, we'll see what happens. But moving on, we'll get into our betting segment of the show. Um, AJ, I know you're a little disappointed. No NBA games tonight to bet on. Yeah, man. I mean, this is just garbage, man. But like, you know, I got a hockey parlay going. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm excited. And, you know, I threw some, threw a little bit of, uh, the over in the Washington Capitals and the Bruins game. I mean, like, that's going to be a firework game, right? So, I mean, like, take it away, Jake. What do you got? Then I'll go into my parlay. Yeah, man. So uh, a couple things that I'm looking at tonight. I've just got two player props that I really um, think are, are possible, and I like the odds on them. Um, Patrick Kane over a half goal. Um, Kaner's been one of the the most important, you know, focal points of the offense here um, in Chicago, you know, for a number of years now, and that's continued to be so this year. Um, I like the matchup tonight. I think he's got a really good potential of getting one on net and getting one, you know, behind, um, you know, behind the goalie. I think I really like it. Um, it's plus 200 too, so it's going to pay out pretty well if it does hit. Um, you know, obviously you don't have to necessarily go a full unit on these bets or anything like that. They're both plus odd bets, but you know, the, the payout on it's going to look pretty nice. Um, the other one that I like is a Backstrom goal. Backstrom's the leading goal scorer for his offense this year. Um, and the matchup's good. Plus again, you know, I think, you know, Backstrom, he's a vet. He knows how to get the puck on the net. He's, it's something he's done pretty well for most of his career. Uh, they've got him at plus 320 to score a goal tonight. Um, you know, over a half goal. So, uh, I, I really like that play too. Um, and then a couple other, you know, just random bets that I've thrown out this week um, with the uh, with the Arnold Palmer Invitational going on. Um, I've thrown out three bets on guys that I think have a good potential to win. Um, I've got Rory. Um, Rory's looking really good so far. Um, I believe he's two under on the day. Nope, just one under on the day. Looks like he just, of course, as I say, you know, start to talk highly of him. I think he just bogeyed another hole. Um, but uh, yeah, he did. Um, so he's got three birdies and two bogeys on the day. But this is a golf course that Rory's the you know Rory's the type of guy who can just eat this golf course to shreds if he really is the opportunity to. Uh, plus two hundred on him. So I went a little bit lower uh, on the wager there just because you know it's golf. You know there it's always a little bit all over the place. Um, Corey Connors is another guy that I looked uh, I bet highly on. Um, he looked really good in you know yesterday's round. He had an eagle today. Um, you know, he didn't play as well today as he did yesterday, but, you know, still looking really good. He's currently got a two shot lead over Victor Hovland and Rory. Um, so there's a lot of potential there. And then one guy that I'm really keeping my eye on is Martin Laird. Um, the odds he's, he's plus 5,000 right now to win. Um, though that's obviously, you know, he's obviously a long shot, but he's looking really good today. Um, he's, you know, 300 today. He was 300 yesterday. He's only played 10 holes, just birdied 10. Um, so, you know, a lot of potential there as well. Um, you know, if he gets hot, 
you know, I, golf is a game of who gets hot on Saturday and Sunday. You know, if he, if he gets hot on a Saturday or Sunday and he posts around when other guys falter, you know, you, we could see him shoot up the leaderboard really quickly here. He's currently three strokes back in, in solo fourth place. Um, but again, you know, he's a guy who, who's, I think, skill set plays well to Bay Hill. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, I was keeping my eye on. You know, he's been, you know, a, uh, an inconsistent performer um, so far this year. But um, I think he's got a lot of potential and we could really see, you know, something happen out of this. Yeah, man, that's a really good slate of bets there in hockey and golf, man. I mean, like, hopefully we can hit, man. Like, I, I, I'm feeling good today, man. I, I, I lost a couple of parlays yesterday by a couple of legs. Actually, not a couple of legs, uh, a single leg. I lost three parlays off of single legs, man. Um, I don't know what was going through Devin Booker's mind yesterday. He just stopped at 16 points or something like that. I mean, and DeRozan was looking good for his double-double, um, and it just flopped, obviously. And uh, Phoenix, man, I don't even want to get into that money line parlay, man. I, I like so. What I do, Jake, is I bet every quarter money line, and in the second quarter, man, the Suns are up by five, right? So Devin Booker goes out and just fouls someone, right? All right. So it's an and one. So he gets the bucket to drop and one. So that's three, right? So he takes the inbound, right? He throws it right to the fucking center, dude, and the center. Tips it in for another shot, dude. Five points in a sequence of 13 seconds, man. They tied. Pain. I lost that parlay. They ended up winning the third quarter and the fourth quarter and the game and won the game by, I think, over 20 points. So that's even more pain because the payout was insane. So, damn. Holy shit. But anyways, now that the NBA is going to sleep for a couple of days... Um, until Sunday, I think it is on March seventh. We're gonna, I'm gonna bet some hockey, and I'm feeling good about this parlay, man. Um, like I mentioned before, before Jake went into his bets, um, I love this uh, Boston and Boston Brewers, uh, Boston Bruins, and um, Washington Capitals over five and a half. Um, I think it probably moved to six. Um, I got it at minus one thirty four. Uh, I think there's a lot of buzz about the Colorado Avalanche, um, so I took the spread there, um, minus one and a half. Um, so hopefully that hits. Um, I don't know much about hockey here, as you can tell. Um, Minnesota, I I picked Minnesota. They beat my Kings like five times, so I'll take them. Um, St. Louis Blues against my Kings. Um, I'll take the Blues because why? Because the Kings are on like a three three game losing streak, and the Kings swept the Blues last time out um, in St. Louis, and no reason why the Blues can't do it in L.A. So we'll see tonight. Um, and last but not least, the Vegas Golden Knights over the San Jose Sharks. Uh, I think the Knights are the best team in the NHL, right behind the well, not behind. Sorry, Boston Bruins. Well, knocking on the door behind them. Um, I think the Knights have a lot to prove and try to win the Stanley Cup this year. So uh, I'm rooting for them as a Kings fan, but like I think I get shot in LA for that. But you know, um, you know, the, this Knights team is really good. You know, they got they got like they got a lot of good playmakers on that team. So yeah, man, I really like this parlay. I like the way that you built it um, with a little bit of you know balance both ways. Um, definitely gonna ride this one out with you and just see what happens. Um, you know, obviously plus 2100 odds is gonna pay out real well if it hits. Um, yes. But we'll see, man. You know, 
Um, real quickly before we wrap up, guys, um, we want to thank you guys all for watching us, obviously. Um, we do want to announce that um, we're going to have some more baseball content coming soon, um, whether that's just a section of this podcast or a separate podcast is going to be um, yet is yet to be determined or even just a name for the segment of it. But with spring training finally you know, up and roaring with teams getting back into the swing of things, with it looking like we're going to have close to a full season, I expect a lot of baseball content coming forward here. Um, I know, you know, AJ and I, that's how we, we met was a was a group chat that was started about baseball. Um, obviously, we've, you know, parlayed that friendship into, a, you know, a podcast here talking about a little bit of everything. But, you know, expect a lot of baseball content coming forward. We got a lot of good stuff coming. Um, we are trying to finalize a date for our uh, the full seven round mock draft that my friends and I are doing as well. Probably going to wait until free agency shakes out a little bit. Um, once things get in a little a little more set into place, um, we're going to we're going to act fully as GMs, too. So, you know, you may see some trades that we are projecting might happen or could happen. You know, this this mock draft is going to get real interesting, but, you know, I'll let AJ wrap it up here. But I just wanted to personally thank you guys for, you know, supporting us through everything and just keep an eye out for the future because things are just going to keep getting wild. Man, Jake, man, I, I appreciate you for having me uh, for having you on this podcast, man. You know, it's been a, it's been a swell for 17 episodes, man. But guys, you know, you know the deal, man. Fantasy Oddscast every Saturday morning. We'll drop it onto our Twitter. Um, we thank you all. Yeah, man, it's been great. Like I like AJ and I said, thank you guys so much for all the support. You know, every listen on Spotify, every like, every retweet. We appreciate everything you guys give us. Make sure you give our pod, our Twitter a follow at Fantasy Oddscast. Um, on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow my host AJ at AJDecide4 on Twitter and myself at JakePerry34 on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for everything. Stay home and stay comfy.